Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. It is Monday, March 7th. I'm joined by Harris Kamani. I'm your host, Michael Pontra. We got a nice little eight card, eight game card to talk about. But Harris, my friend, it's been a solid four days. How are you? Yeah, no, it's been it's been nice. We finally got some uh, a plus sixteen day today out here today. Although we got it with like ninety kilometer wind, so it was a interesting little uh, little drive today. I had to go out and make a couple of deliveries for our stuff, and my car was literally swerving from one lane to the other. That's what you get with a uh, with a lighter vehicle. But otherwise, it's been good. Been a couple of good games of basketball. Had a you know, that Warriors Lakers game yesterday was pretty insane to watch lebron still showing he's got something in the tank so it's all in all a good weekend i'd say you canadian with your metric system out there <laughs> it's your celsius and your kilometers now <laughs> like 99 percent of the world yeah i know i was gonna say we're, we're the freaks over here that decided you know i know everybody else is using this but yeah you know what we'll go we'll zig when they zag uh sort of thing but luckily i did pay attention in uh in science class, so I got the kilometers and the Celsius down pretty, pretty tight. Uh, in your in your school, when you're in uh, school in Canada, they make you guys learn Fahrenheit and like miles and inches and all that, or they're just like you know screw it, they're idiots. Why would we teach you guys that? Waste your time. No, I mean you'll have the conversion system there, so you know what translates to what. And I mean most of your measurement tools will have both of those units on there. So yeah, I mean you learn it for sure. Uh, the conversion, especially from Celsius to Fahrenheit, is a little bit you know, more difficult to be able to grasp. Know that, hey, 32 Fahrenheit is zero degrees Celsius. You know that. And then you know that uh, at certain points where they actually end up meeting as far as uh, freezing temperature is concerned. But beyond that, it is its own thing. A hundred, a hundred degrees Celsius is boiling up from that. Is that, yep. is that correct? Yeah, yep, okay. that's correct. Look at this, man. Look at this. Still, we, we got it. We're good. Uh, but all right. That's there you go, guys. There's your there's your science uh, for the day. Uh, we're gonna jump right into things though. But before we do, a quick shout out to Thrive Fantasy, guys. Come prop up with us over there this NBA season. It is the number one daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes. Choose ten of twenty available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win your share of a prize pool. Thrive has over 50000 in guaranteed prizes weekly. And that's just for the NBA, not counting any other sport or eSport. Uh, and they've awarded over $6 million so far. So when you sign up, use the promo code ETHOS, that is E-T-H-O-S, and you receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. You can find Thrive in the App Store, Play Store, or visit their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. All right, my friend. First game of the night, Atlanta Hawks. They are traveling to Detroit, D-Town, take on the Pistons. Kevin Herter is questionable for the Pistons. Diallo is questionable. Then Luca Garza in the G League. Frank Jackson ruled out. Looks like he's going to see a specialist. So we can, uh, it's pretty safe to assume that he is going to be out for the foreseeable future. And I'm not getting any lines, but I know last time you were able to get them. So I might have to have you handle the lines here. What, what do you got over there? Yeah, I'm seeing uh, 227.5 for the total with the Hawks being favored by eight as far as this one's gone. All right, my friend. There we are. Lead us off. Talk about Atlanta. Yeah, and as far as Atlanta is concerned, I mean, apart from that Kevin Herter news, they're finally getting back to some sort of 
semblance of health. We saw John Collins get back on the floor for his last game, did come off the bench, but played 25 minutes and looked pretty good. And there, so it's going to be interesting to see if they decide to uh, stick with Gallinari in the starting lineup for the next uh, little bit while John Collins does get his feet under him, or if they decide to make that swap. Of course, you have that 7 o'clock game being the first one of the night, so you'll get that John Collins news pretty early in that. But yeah, if he's not going to be on either any major restriction or if he's getting back into the starting lineup at 6,100, I have a lot of interest in being able to go ahead and take him. You know, we saw Atlanta has taken on Detroit earlier in the season, uh, only played 23 minutes in that one, but was able to drop 38 DK points. And in general, has been a matchup that he has thrived in over the years. So definitely interested in being able to take him. Uh, Trey, I mean, what to say about Trey? In the games I say that he's going to be uh, questionable and out, he goes out and drops like 67 DK points on that night. But I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to go ahead and take him against uh, Washington on the other one. And then he uh, has a mediocre night. So clearly I am not hitting on my Trey picks as of yet, but in the last four games, he's been swapping out good and bad games and he's coming off a bad one. So if you uh, believe in those kind of patterns, it's definitely something of interest. That being said, we are in an eight game slate and there is a game coming up in which I am finding myself having a ton of exposure. So I am not taking Trey in too many of my lineups, at least it looks at this moment. I may still just to have a bit of exposure into this kind of game, be looking at someone like a Gallinari or a Dion or sorry, just specifically a Gallinari to be able to go ahead and kind of keep that for power forward eligibility for a cheap guy who can go ahead and hit in a GPP. But by and large, I think John Collins is the major man I am looking for in this matchup. Well said, my friend, I am avoiding Atlanta pretty much in all spots. Uh, like you said, eight game card. I'm going to limit my player pool as best as I can. And I'm not saying none of these guys can't have that big game. They could. Uh, but, we, you know, Collins back. Gallinari is probably not going to be seeing the same type of workload as he starts to ramp up a little bit more. Trying to pick your poison with these wing guys, you know, Bogdanovich, Hunter. You can look at both of those guys. They're both priced appropriately. And then with Trey Young, there's just better guards at the same position around the same price that I like more that we will get to. Uh, looking on this Detroit side of things, there's some interest. I got some mild interest. Looking at Marvin Bagley at 4,400. You know, this guy's getting a ton of usage. He, despite limited minutes, played 22 minutes against Indiana, came out, took 16 shot attempts. Uh, never going to do much as far as the stocks are concerned. But at 4,400, if he's going to keep, you know, having this type of usage, kind of split some time between power forward and center, game gets out of hand, they're going to run him into the ground even more. So uh, he's probably the one guy that I'd be most interested in. I don't expect Detroit to necessarily be crazy competitive. I mean, Vegas has his eight-point spread, which... It's pretty much them saying, who knows, uh, could get out of hand, could stay close. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm kind of leaning more towards uh, the getting out of hand portion of things. So I wouldn't fault you if you wanted to look at some of these guys. I mean, like I always talk about targeting point guards going against, you know, Trey Young. So Cade, he's in play at 7,500, but it, that's probably it. It's probably just going to be Bagley and Cade. And I probably won't fall on as much Cade as I'd like to, uh, but it is a point guard going against Trey Young. So who knows? Yeah, I'm right there with you. And those are the two guys I had circled up on my side as well. Cade is just one of those guys is just solid night in and night out. He's at 7,500, there haven't been too many games in which he's hurt you as far as that price tag is concerned. So, you know, if other things end up working out, he's a guy who's listed as a shooting guard, small forward. Given that there are a number of other point guards that I am interested in, he may very well be a guy that I fall in on a little more than I would have otherwise thought just because of that position. And yeah, for him, it's just a matter of 
continue to get those minutes. I mean, even if his shot isn't necessarily going all that great, which it hasn't for the last little while, he's just absolutely consistent in that mid-30s. Had a 50-point game in that uh, Toronto game as well. I say that, yeah, not fun. But regardless, he's shown the upside to be able to be one of those top three rookies and just continues to show that. So he's been in a lot of my lineups and I expect to have a good bit of exposure just based on that this time around too. All right, next game, Chicago Bulls traveling to Philadelphia to take on the Sixers for the Bulls. Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Patrick Williams, all ruled out. Vucevic is questionable, but I think there are reports saying that he is likely to play, but he's being listed as questionable, so keep your eye on that. And then for the Sixers, uh, we can expect that James Harden will be back in this one after having a maintenance day for his hamstring. Everybody else is good to go as well. Give us the game line, give us the total, and then when you're done with that, talk about the, uh, the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing a, a 230 and a half the game line for this one, which is, from what I can see, the second highest total of the night with the Philadelphia 76ers favored to win by six and a half. And this is the game that, I, just based on what I've kind of had early a lineup built so far, the one that I'm really finding myself targeting, first and foremost, uh, that Vucevic news is, is something that everyone will have to keep an eye on because if that happens... Uh, plain and simple, I was already interested in uh, DeMar and Levine in this matchup. Uh, their price tags have gone down a little bit. Uh, DeMar especially, who has had fantastic games against the 76ers so far this season, and three of them has been averaging nearly 54 DK points. It's just been a matchup that he's thrived in against some of those slightly more undersized guards and forwards that they try to throw in on him. And it's just it's just not it. He's able to cook them from the mid-range. So interested in having him in play. I've said between DeRozan and Levine, I've often find myself taking more of Levine, but honestly, I may very well end up on both of them in this matchup, given how things may potentially work out. Something like if Vucevic is out, I'm definitely taking both of them. Otherwise, um, I'm most likely to at least take one. I do believe Levine is always that guy who can give you, you know, a little bit more of a burst, similar to like D'Angelo Russell we've spoken about between him and Anthony Edwards. And he's coming off a 52-point game as well, a 52-DK point game, and his shot looked really good in, in that game as well. And even though it was the second half of back-to-back, so it's clear that his knee is not an issue anymore. So all of that just gives him a nice situation to be able to come back and do some good damage. And if Vucevic is in fact out, if Tristan Thompson is then as a result starting or Tony Bradley, we'll see which way it goes. That's going to be one of those pivots to be able to throw out there just because they're going to need whatever bodies they can throw at Embiid. But that's more of a kind of side note from the main guys here. Absolutely. Good, uh, Good explanation. I, I mean, I'm probably going to be on with you more on Levine than DeRozan. I want to see Vooch sit if I end up on having a ton of shares of Levine. But at that price tag, you don't need Vooch to sit. It's just an added cherry on top. Um, DeRozan, I'm, I'm I'm a little less interested. And he has played extremely well. I think you said he's averaging about 53 DK points against Philly this year. Uh, with that being said, Levine missed one of those games. And then I believe uh, on the other side of the ball, Thibault missed two of those. So Thibault only played one game against uh, Chicago this season, and he is their best defensive stopper. Um, I imagine that he's going to be the guy that's going to be handling most of DeRozan for the night. And I'm not saying he's going to shut him down. I mean, with his mid-range game, nobody could shut that down. Uh, but I'm I'm a little inclined to say the stats might be slightly skewed now with having Seth Curry off the floor and then having Thibel playing a full workload and actually being in this game a little bit more. So. I think I'm going to just opt for Levine. And then, like you said, if Vooch sits, I'll probably lean more Tristan Thompson than Bradley. That's his initial thoughts of what I think will happen. But we have to keep an eye on it. Thompson also has that power forward eligibility, which we all know and love. Uh, on the other side of the ball, just spoke about uh, you know guys like Thibel, 
Uh, I think he's in play at 3,600, man. I know you're the, you're the in-house Thibel guy. Yes. We're going to talk about some more value, but just like I said, he's going to have to play, uh, I think, a full complement of minutes here. His minutes have been down over the past five games. I think he has a max of 29 minutes over there against New York. Uh, but in any of the games, he's played at least 23 minutes. He scored at least 20 DK points. I imagine this is one where you see him over 30. Uh, they're going to need him on the floor a lot going against this, the Wings. So I'm in on Thibel. Uh, and I think, you know, you could look at Embiid. I wouldn't fall you. There's a couple other guys in that price range. I see myself gravitating towards a little bit more. And the same goes for Harden, where getting that nice maintenance stage, it should be coming here fresh. I think I would, the matchup screams Embiid, especially if we see no Vooch. He should just demolish Tristan Thompson and Tony Bradley. Uh, the price tags have me thinking more Harden. They're both in play. They're just not my top options. Yeah, they're both absolutely in play. And as you said, Harden's coming off uh, a little bit more rest time, which is always great as far as his production is concerned. I believe I have to look back at the old stats, but back on Houston days, especially like when he used to have two or more days rest, the game coming after that is when he would pretty much be averaging like 51% from the field as well, apart from everything else. So I expect him to have a, a big game over here. And in general, he has always loved going up against Devo from all the years of Toronto having to see that again and again. Harden absolutely loves that matchup. Just being able to hit that step back on him. DeRozan has never been the quickest as far as lateral movements concerned. So it's just one of those where I like taking him. As you said, between Embiid and Harden, both are in play. I usually like taking Harden more just because of the fact that if Embiid's doing well nowadays, it's usually because Harden's also getting uh, that assist to go with it. They just have a really good chemistry right off the bat, which makes it exciting from a viewer standpoint and also just from his DFS standpoint as well. And I'm right there with you on Matisse Tybull. I expect him to play somewhere close to 40 minutes in this game, if I'm completely honest, if they're going to have any real opportunity of being able to put bodies on both Levine and, uh, and DeMar. So, yeah, he just needs to be out there. And in the games in which Harden has been there, he's gotten more shots in that, more attempts from three as well. So that gives you just a couple more opportunities for him to hopefully hit one or two of those and get into that kind of mid to high 20s, which is really all you need for that price tag. Yeah, Sixers 4-0 and since the acquisition of uh, James, Mr. James Harden. Yep. So we'll move on to the next game. Houston Rockets traveling to Miami. Houston on the second half of the back-to-back. So there is no injury report for them. Before the Heat, Kyle Lowry remains out. Caleb Martin is questionable. Markeith Morris out. And then Victor Oladipo is questionable. So this could be the season debut for Mr. Oladipo. But I will pass it over to you to talk about the Houston Rockets on the second half of the back-to-back. It is a tough matchup. Does anybody stand out to you? Yeah, it's undoubtedly a tough matchup. But honestly, until he lets me down, I'm going to keep going back to the well with Jalen Green. He's just been finding more and more confidence in his stroke coming off another really good game tonight as well in a shock victory. I called like Memphis blowing him out the other way, but still playing Jalen green. It turns out that Houston decided to uh, do their own business and beat the uh, Grizzlies out by 11, which was really cool. Not only from Jalen green's perspective, who had a, a great game on his end shot eight of 17, put up 24, eight and four, but it was also Kevin Porter on the other hand, who, has had his bouts of inconsistency, but he's coming off a great game in that as well. I'm always more inclined to take uh, a Jalen Green over Kevin Porter as of late, mostly because uh, not only the price tag is there, but Jalen Green in general has been getting a lot more of that usage and has just been, plain and simple, more consistent. Uh, Sangoon 
is always one that's in play for me. I, I do expect that he will continue to get uh, the complement of minutes that he has been finding himself in pretty consistently now, which is around that 23 to 24 minute mark. And I love him for uh, 4,400 to be able to take that. Yeah, he didn't uh, totally hit his value tonight, but I expect, especially in a matchup against a, a Bam Adebayo, a you know bigger front court in general from the uh, from the Miami Heat, you're going to find that they need to use him a, a good bit more as well, just because as as well as Christian Wood has been playing on the offensive end, he's never been a guy to be able to really get any sort of stops on the defensive side. So I believe they'll need a little bit more Sangoon to help out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I don't, I haven't been on the Jalen Green bandwagon. I know you are. You're conducting it uh, with Matisse Thibel on the back of the train as well. But I think uh, I think if I'm, I'm right there with you, if I'm playing one of those two guys between him and Kevin Porter, it's going to be Jalen Green just because you said it perfectly. He, he, he's starting to click. Things are coming together. You know, we see some rookies kind of hit that rookie wall, and then you see some guys who struggle early on and put it all together towards the end of the season. Uh, he seems to be the latter. So he's probably the one guy that I have interest in. Uh, more of my interest is going to be on the other side of the ball just because it's Houston on the second half of a back-to-back, knowing that they play quick. Their defense stinks, and there should be plenty of opportunities here for some of these Miami guys. So uh, looking at some of these top dogs, between Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, I think both these guys are absolutely in play. I think I'd end up with more Jimmy. Uh, bottom line, 8,500 is a little too cheap for Jimmy Butler. Knowing Kyle Lowry is still out, he's going to you know handle a lot of the facilitating. Uh, he dropped 37 on them earlier in the year, and it could have been a lot more uh, as far as fantasy points. It turned into 48 fantasy points. No ancillary stats, really. Two assists, one board. The defensive stats were there with two blocks and a steal. Uh, but just given the fact, the fact that he's going to have to probably facilitate a little bit more coming off of a five-assist game against his old team in Philadelphia, I do like me some Jimmy. I don't mind Tyler Hero, but I think with the discount, I'd probably rather lean to Gabe Vincent at 4,800, who just you know continues to be consistent. Past two games haven't been great. Don't get me wrong, but six of eight shooting, had no ancillary stats. Put up 21.75 DK points. I'd expect a little bit more than that in this matchup where you're probably looking at one of those 25 to 30. And at 4,800, I have interest. But again, I won't fault you for pretty much looking anywhere here. Uh, don't play Oladipo. He is not going to play a lot. He will be very, very limited. So again, wouldn't fault you if you wanted to go anywhere. But my main interest is in Mr. Gabe Vincent and Jimmy Butler. Fair enough. I was kind of hoping that uh, DraftKings would have started Oladipo at like some bargain basement price and I'd be a little sneaky just to go ahead and throw him in a couple of my GPPs. But yes, at 6,600, definitely do not take Oladipo. Uh, but you're right. I'm right there with you as far as Gabe Vincent is concerned. I do like him for his price tag more so than Hero, who has now moved up into that 7,000 range, at which point, honestly, I'd rather pay 300 more and play Cade or save a little bit uh, otherwise and just go with Jalen Green on the other side instead. So plain and simple, he's in that kind of mid-range area where I'm not totally fond of taking him at that price tag because his ancillary stats are never really all that great. He just really needs his shot to get going for him. But as you said, Jimmy Butler at 8,500, it's just it's just way too cheap a price tag. There's no two ways about it. It's one of those where he's going to put up anywhere between 15 to 20 shots, even if he only plays about 28 to 29 minutes to be able to do it. And again, Houston on a back-to-back, yes, there's that, but it's also going to be a higher pace game just because of how Houston ends up playing. My only worry is we don't have a game total here, but we I do see that Miami's favored by 16 as far as the point spread is concerned, which in and of itself gives me a little bit of pause of putting too much faith into, uh, into the Miami guys. But as I said, the price tags are too enticing. I'll probably find myself with a couple of them. All right, next game, Portland traveling to Minnesota. 
taking on the Timberwolves. Patrick Beverly is questionable. Anthony Edwards has uh, not ruled out yet. Doubtful. Most likely out. And then we have Prince and Nas Reed. Both those guys are questionable as well. And then the Portland outs, uh, we have Bledsoe, Ingles, Lillard, Little, Luizida, Nurkic, Simons, Winslow. All of them ruled out. Uh, Greg Brown, Elijah Hughes are both probable in this one. Give us that spread and then talk about, I mean, obviously all these bodies out for Portland. You got to have some interest on a couple of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it looks like uh, the Red Sea over here. It's just scroll after scroll. It's just red everywhere. But at the moment, uh, again, game total I'm not seeing, but I'm seeing Portland is being favored or sorry, Minnesota is being favored by 14 and a half points. So again, another one of those blowout risk games that we have. So we got to keep that in mind. But in general, there's just has to be usage coming for all of these cheap guys that are sitting here for the uh, for the Portland Trailblazers. That being said, Trenton Watford has been a guy I've been finding myself landing on pretty consistently just based on his uh, his last uh, couple of games. I like the game, the minutes total that he's been getting. And more so than that, he looks very comfortable with the ball as well. They're getting him to start a good bit of that action. He's been getting uh, 10 assists in the last two games as well. So definitely someone who's going to be in play for me just because apart from the fact that he's going to be up against Carl Anthony Towns, which is always you know, a decent matchup for anyone to be able to go ahead and get themselves going. Uh, that's probably my major dude to be able to look at. Beyond that, you have to really think about who is going to be their point guard here. Uh, are they going to go with Ellaby to be able to go and be, be a major ball handler for him? Played 28 minutes last game, but is kind of a, a tweener in his sense as well. We know that... Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. continues to be out as well. Is Macklemore going to get the opportunity to start? And he, and he played 30 minutes last game. But again, he's very dependent on how his shot goes. But his price tag is cheap enough that you could easily find yourself in a couple of places here. So as I said, this, this is one of those where pretty much any of these cheap guys could hit their value pretty consistently if the game isn't a complete and absolute joke. I am staying away from Josh Hart for that reason because that's 7,400 and the way Portland is now, I just don't see a reason for them to play him all that much. They're probably much more likely to be able to play like an Ellaby or a Trendon Watford or a Ben Macklemore or any of those guys instead. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. I have a feeling one of those GPP wins are going to come out from someone picking one of these 3,000 guys and they drop like 50, but you know, no idea who that's going to be. Just flip a coin. Yeah, well... I'm kind of with you right there on Hart. 7,400, I mean, I, I would assume he even gets a little bit of handling responsibilities. And he, they could go two ways about this, in my opinion. Uh, they're either going to do like a McLemore, Ellaby, Watford, Eubanks, Hart lineup. Uh, or I think which, you know, I, I kind of have that maybe being at like a 30% chance. I think the real likelihood is that we see a guy like Keon Johnson draw the start at point guard. Uh, he played 29 minutes in that last game as well. He's 3,900. I think he makes for an excellent GPP play. Uh, we see he's drawn the start. You can even play him at cash at 3,900. So I like him. I do like Watford as well at 51. Prefer him over Eubanks. Also has that power forward eligibility, which we all love. Um, and that's probably going to be my two primary targets. Ben McLemore, I think, makes makes sense as a pivot off of a guy like Keon. He should still see 30 minutes regardless. Uh, but he's not really much of a facilitator in his own right. So, you know, we'll, we, we saw him get the increased minutes on the wing simply because Josh Hart sat out that last game the minutes should still be there uh, i imagine probably right around 26 to 30 at most but it's probably gonna be keon as my favorite play and then like i said a little bit of watford um on the other side of the ball with no anthony edwards most likely can't say it yet we don't know for certain but it is looking very unlikely uh, i think we can continue to go right back to the well with a guy like malik beasley 
Uh, he's been playing solid minutes, increased usage, at least 10 shot attempts over the past three games. Lowest in that game has been 21.5 DK points, and he was ejected out of that game. Uh, so only played 21 minutes, probably would have played somewhere around that 25 to 26 minute mark. At 4,300, he's certainly in play for me. Uh, and then I think, you know, with Prince most likely being, well, it's back spasm. So keep an eye on Prince. If Prince sits, we can go right back to the well at McDaniels because they're really running low on those like three ball guys and the wings that they do have. Pretty much Prince and McDaniels were basically chopping those minutes up. Uh, played extremely well in the first quarter and then got yanked out, couldn't, couldn't play because of the back spasms. McDaniels came out, ended up playing 37 minutes, putting up 32 DK points. Those are probably going to be my two primary interests. Again, I don't mind spending up on these studs. Like, if you want to go to Russell, you want to go to Towns, this is a fantastic matchup. If this game stays close, they'll, they'll absolutely eat. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Towns, this, we just saw this game play. Towns dropped 70 DK points, 69.75. And then what did Russell do? Obviously, if Towns is having a great game, this dude's doled out 15 assists. Couldn't hit water out of a boat. Uh, but still, uh, the upside's there for both these guys. I would lean Towns over Russell. Granted, there's a $2,400 price difference, but if you're looking to spend up on one because you have massive exposure on the other side of the ball, he's the guy I would do it with. But I think I see myself going with more of a McDaniels and Beasley, trying to target some of that mid-tier 4K value. I agree with you completely. I was going to avoid Towns and Russell just given how little I expect Portland to actually do something here, which obviously now means Portland's going to have an amazing match and actually win. So, you know, just take that for what it is. But as far as uh, McDaniels and Beasley are concerned, those are the two major guys I've circled off here as well. I, I do like McDaniels just in general for everything that he offers from his different positions that he plays in different lineups, which allows him to stay on the floor for 37 minutes as he did against Portland uh, in their last game. So we'll have to see how that ends up shaking out. But between him and uh, Beasley, that's probably going to be the major exposure. All right, next game, Utah Jazz traveling to Dallas, taking on the Mavericks. This would be, if playoffs started today or tomorrow, uh, would be the playoff matchup, four or five seeds uh, taking at each other. But I'm sorry with the Mavericks. Brunson is questionable. Doncic is probable, looking like he's going to return after that game off. Uh, Kleber is questionable, and then we know that Chris and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Theo Pinson are ruled out. The Jazz are on the second half of a back-to-back, so there is no injury report for them. I will pass it over to you. If there is a spread in game total, let me know. And then uh, talk about the Jazz. Yeah, fair enough. And from a, a point spread total, this is looking like it's uh, the closest game of the night as far as Vegas is concerned. Just a one and a half point uh, favoring for the Dallas Mavericks in a game that is said to have 217.5 as far as the game total is concerned. So lowest game total of the night, but also the closest game of the night usually means a pretty good scenario for the stars to be able to shine. In general, you'll find in these lower point spread games, it just means that it's just a more cagey game. It means there's a little bit more isolation ball, and that isolation ball comes from the starters on the team. And that's really why And Donovan Mitchell at this price tag is always kind of one of those interesting scenarios for me because I do think 9,000 is a good spot to be able to take him. I do think in this kind of a matchup where I do expect him to handle the ball just that much more be in a scenario where he's going to be needed to be that much more aggressive on the offensive end. And the fact that he's coming off a 24 and 10 game doesn't hurt either. So altogether, I do like his price tag for 9,000 Rudy Gobert, who's dropped now below 8,000, which is just to me, it's ludicrous. It's a, uh, he can just wake up in his sleep and put up 40 DK points as long as he's playing 30 minutes on any given night. And the fact that he hasn't had to do that just as of late uh, just makes it so that it's more interesting. He did drop 12 and 17 tonight. So again, just gives you such a solid floor. And from big men, 
there's few guys that are more consistent, at least as far as his price tag is concerned. So he's definitely in play there for me. And then the rest of it just comes down to where you feel as far as, you know, the friskiness side of things are concerned. Boyan Bogdanovich is coming off a monster game as well. I wouldn't want to chase that too, too hard, but he did drop 35-5-3 and three today against the Thunder. Again, it's the Thunder, so take that for what it is. But he always gives you that kind of potential upside if he has a hot game. And if this is going to be a game in which that isolation's coming and there's someone else to be able to go ahead and take those corner shots, then Boyan's likely your man. I like him more than Clarkson in general, but by and large, it's the two studs that I'm looking at for the Utah Jazz. Yep, right there with you. I think both those guys very much in play. I see myself landing on more Gobert. Uh, it's because there's a lot of guards we could spend up on. Like, you know, I'll ask you, I'll, I'll pose a question to you. Uh, one game has a chance of a blowout. This one's expected to stay close. But for their prices, 8500 for Butler or Mitchell at 9 k Yeah, and I, I think that blowout risk is something that worries me in general based on that uh, Houston-Miami game. So I'd probably lean towards Donovan Mitchell for that matchup and just given the fact that he has... You know, if he's coming off a good game, usually means he's on some sort of a streak, and that's just how Donovan Mitchell works. He's able to kind of stack those together. So I'm good with going with Mitchell in terms of that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think Gobert is the guy I'll end up owning the most. 7,900 is just too cheap. He hasn't done crazy good against the Mavs. I think he's averaging like 30, 90 K points against him this season. But that's what you're paying for at 7,900. And we know that that 50-point upside is always there with him. Uh, and Dallas... Yeah, they're not very good against setters, bottom line. They just don't have much size whatsoever. And Cleaver being questionable is definitely going to hurt them a little bit. So they're going to have to rely on guys like Bertans and Powell a little bit more. Uh, and that is not going to bode well for them because Rudy doesn't come off the floor. I don't care how much you stretch him out to the three-point line. He's not coming off the floor. Uh, on the Dallas side of the ball, don't play. I'm not playing Doncic at 12-2. Uh, better options, I think, on the slate that I'd rather spend up on. we got to keep an eye on Brunson's health and news because if he sits, Spencer Dinwiddie likely draw the start at 6,200. He's coming off of a massive game. Be careful chasing it. Uh, Doncic was out that game, and obviously not all not all minutes are created equally. Uh, Doncic missing just opens up so much usage compared to Brunson missing. I still think he's in play at 6,200, but it's a tough matchup, and like I said, the usage will not nearly be the same. So I could see playing maybe a share or two of him. Uh I also want to keep an eye on Kleber's health because if he sits, I think Dwight Powell is probably going to have to see close to 28 minutes in this matchup and not the best point per minute guy whatsoever, but at 4,100, there's worse you can land on if Kleber sits. That's pretty much all I got for you over here. Not, not too excited in my Mavericks tonight. Yeah, fair enough. And honestly, I was looking to likely avoid all those. I don't even necessarily like uh, Dinwiddie if Runson is out, just as you said, not all minutes are created equal. Where I do think, and I have a little bit of a, uh, a look-see, is if Maxi Kleba does end up sitting out, I may have some interest in Dwight Powell. His minutes, just plain and simple, have been coming up. I expect him to be able to get to that 30-minute mark yet again, and his price tag just gives you enough upside to be able to have him at that uh, mid-to-high 20s, if not low 30s, as far as DK points are concerned. So he's probably the one guy I am finding myself in a, a couple of lineups coming through. All right. We'll move on. L.A. Lakers traveling to San Antonio, taking on the Spurs. Obviously, we all know if you've been anywhere near Twitter or TV, LeBron James coming off of an absolutely monster game. Season high, 56. Um, the dude looked 26 at one throwdown where he always does it, goes up with his right, comes back around, comes underneath the hoop, two-hand slam, reverse. It just makes you wonder, what would this guy have ever done if he wasn't a dunk contest? He had all these opportunities all these years, and we never got to see it. would have been fun, but... Anthony Davis ruled out. Kendrick Nunn will never play basketball again, um, for all I know. 
Uh, and then LeBron, he's always listed as questionable, but we know he's playing. Taylor Horton Tucker, probable. And then for the Spurs, Kata Bates, Diop, DeJounte Murray, Devin Vassell are all questionable. Got to keep an eye on those guys. Obviously, those are some pretty big names there, pretty big heavy hitters. I will pass it over to you to talk about the Lakers and what you think is going to go on. We should, I think we have a game total in the spread, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so in this one, it's actually uh, 233 and a half, which is the highest point total of the night. And the Lakers are, actually, I'm say the Spurs are favored by two and a half, which uh, interests me. I, I might actually put a little bit uh, put a little bit down on that because I think the Lakers are going to finally get on a little bit of a run for themselves. And that's going to start with LeBron James. As you said, questionable every game he comes in and out. But honestly, at this point, I mean, you got Magic Johnson out here calling out Westbrook on live TV. So, I mean, everyone's just on this point where, if it's, if it's not happening now, it's not going to happen. As you said, Westbrook's coming off a, a good game as well, but plain and simple, that makes it so that games will need to stay tighter here, and LeBron's going to play whatever minutes he needs to to ensure that he's able to get there. And I think as a side note, he's also only like 20 assists away from being the first guy in NBA history to have like a career triple-double, like 30,000, 10,000, 10,000, which is insane. That's a whole different side of things, but LeBron is definitely in play here for me. Uh, in general, I haven't liked most of the... Uh, secondary pieces for the Lakers in general, outside of Malik Monk, which is the only guy I end up playing with any sort of regularity. I uh, came off a, good, a great game against uh, the Golden State Warriors and dropped 36 and a half DK points in that one. I'd probably say I'd end up playing Jalen Green ahead of him much every time, but they're in that same kind of price range where I think you could potentially go with either one of them and have a, a pretty good time out with that. Uh, beyond that, I said the uh, the other questionable side of things. I mean, we know Taylor Horton Tucker is coming back, but his minutes are always up and down. Although I would say his price tag is pretty uh, interesting in that sense. But beyond that, I'm just I'm good with the rest of these Lakers. Yeah, it is only LeBron James for me. That's it. And I like him. I mean, it, it looks like, you know, you said 26 away uh, with the way he's been just focused on scoring and how much he does not trust his teammates at this point, And he feels like he's got to shoulder the workload uh, that might take him like six games. Because he's just been complete, you know, takeover. We kind of saw it in that last game. Uh, It's going to be basically him willing his team to a playing game at this point. Uh, That's what they're trying to go for. I mean, good seeding. That's that's never going to happen in the Lakers' future. But um, I think at this point, a playing game would be a huge victory on this terrible season that they've had. I do not mind LeBron James at 11-6, but... Uh, there's a guy on the other side of the ball where if DeJounte plays, I'm playing DeJounte. Uh, 11-1, I, I always talk about it. Point guards going against his Lakers team is something I like to sign up for. We don't need to sit here and harp on DeJounte Murray's season. We all know it's been absolutely fantastic. There's no doubt about it. These teams have played three times already this season. He's averaging almost 60 DK points against him, uh, just about under a triple-double by .7 rebounds. So give it a triple-double is pretty much what it is. And he's been doing so on terrible shooting. Uh, 60 DK point average on 35% shooting. Yeah, um, I'm good. I want that. I'm all over it. If he sits, Trey Jones is a lock. Just play it. Don't think twice about it. And then if we see Vassal sit, Lonnie Walker at 46 is probably going to be my other interest. But outside of those three guys, uh, that's pretty much all I'm looking at over here. Fair enough. Looks like another game you're not going to play Keldon Johnson. I'm never going to play him, man. It just doesn't (laughs) happen. He's I, I get it. He just dropped 47. Um, I, I know it's, he's capable of it. Don't get me wrong. I know it's there. I just don't do it. Yeah, that's totally fair. And on the other hand, I just keep doing it. And other than the absolute dud he dropped against Sacramento, it's been pretty good for me on that end. So yeah, I'm good with uh, I'm good with taking him just in general. There's just so much consistency that comes with that. He ends up in quite a few of my lineups just because of uh, his power forward eligibility, which 
I just like for everything else that he does. And as you said, Devin Vassell is currently listed as questionable. If he goes out, that just uh, means more usage coming back the other way for a, a DeJounte Murray, who I hope is going to be there, as well as Keldon Johnson. The other interest then comes in with uh, the Lonnie Walker side of things, who you know, the last time he got that increased usage, he was able to go ahead and drop 39 and a half DK points. And that was at the tail end of uh, essentially six games in a row in which he had not a single game under 29. So he's definitely someone to keep an eye on, depending on how things work out. If uh, if either of DeJounte or Devin Vassell are out, he definitely comes into play there for me. But beyond that, uh, I'm going to avoid Yaka Pirtle and hope that uh, this game stays as close as Vegas is saying it's going to be. All right. We'll move on to the next one, Golden State Warriors. Well, what's, what's left of them for this game? Uh, versus the Denver Nuggets, the injury report is flooded. Steph Curry, Draymond, Iguodala, Gary Payton, Klay Thompson, Wiggins, and James Wiseman have all been rolled out. Nuggets, they do not have an injury report. Second half of a back-to-back for them. I mean, man, uh, just like if we, if we didn't have enough value before, you know, here it is. <laughs> Pick your poison. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we don't have a, at least I'm not seeing a game total right now, but the Warriors were uh, considered to be nine-point underdogs going up against the Nuggets in this one. And honestly, I probably expect it to be, or that line to start moving further into the double digits as time goes on with this. But yeah, as you said, pick your poison. Now, Jordan Poole is definitely going to become in play, just plain and simple, for being the guy that's likely going to lead this entire team in shots, in usage, and everything, as far as that's concerned. And he's in that same 5,000 price range where I said there's just so many legitimate options that you can take over there that you could easily find yourself in a situation where you could take two studs and fill up uh, the, on these 5,000 guys, which have 40 point upsides on this night and see if that works out for you as far as the, uh, as far as your makeup is concerned. Beyond that, Jonathan Kaminga is also going to be in play here uh, coming off a pretty solid game, seven of 10 from the field against the Lakers. And that one dropped 27 DK points there as well. And he's just going to have to be where the usage goes. The, it's just there's so many guys that could potentially be here. We could even see like Bielitsa and Damian Lee get back into uh, some sort of normal usage. We've seen Juan Toscano Anderson get an opportunity where he starts. And if he's playing somewhere close to 30 minutes, then he also comes into play. Although he has purely center eligibility, which is interesting because that's it's not really his role. He's more of a small forward, power forward. But hey, DraftKings going to DraftKings, as they say. I don't think you can go wrong with any of those as far as a pool and Kaminga are concerned, for sure. Uh, Otto Porter has always been a bit hit and miss for me, but he said he can also uh, go off as he did against the Lakers as well for his price tag. So yeah, it's uh, try them all out in different lineups, have multiple lineups. That's what it's for. And know that uh, there's a lot of opportunities for these guys to hit big. You're likely going to need someone to do seven X for you to really feel good about any of these picks, but they're all there for you. Yeah. They're all going to be chalked like uh, Kaminga and pool. They're, they're both of their ownerships are going to probably be through the roof. I imagine pools is probably going to be like, Somewhere around 60% in large field tournaments wouldn't shock me one bit. Uh, 5,300, I'm, I'm good with it. I mean, listen, they, they're they going to play a, a plethora of different lineups here. Uh, those names you said are all the key cogs. Now, just for the min salary value, uh, do they start pool at the one or the two? I, I, I expect for fully expect Moses Moody to draw the start. At 3,200, he should see 30-plus minutes with all these other guys out. He's in play. Now, do they play him at the three, pool at the two, and start Chris Joza? I don't know. They could do that. Then Chioza would be in play. Or they start Poole, Lee, and Moody is what I imagine. So keep your eye on those guys. You know, three of those guys are all under 3,400 with Lee, Moody, and Chioza. Uh, Moody and Chioza at 32. 
I imagine two of those guys will probably draw a start, and we just have to kind of hope that we get the news early enough where we can adjust. If not, uh, just make sure they're in the right spots. You know, don't play these guys in the top. Play them in the bottom. Like, put them in your guard spot. And then if you need to, you know, swap, you could swap. Uh, or utility, however you want to do it. Just make sure that you have that, you know, that availability uh, to make that move if you need to because it will be key. Not playing any nuggets. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got for you. I will not play any nuggets. I just, I mean, if you want to go to Bones Island because the game gets out of hand at 3,900, I can see him coming out here and dropping like 20 actual points in 20 minutes. That's that's probably all I'd be looking at, though. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, just having the fact that I'm watching this Nuggets game on the side as it's now in overtime, Will Barton just went out with an injury as well. So we'll have to see whether he's okay for the next game. If that, you know, if it's a back-to-back coming off an overtime game, they'll likely opt to go ahead and rest him, in which case uh, Monte Morris definitely comes back into play for 4,900. But beyond that, yeah, I'm going to avoid Jokic in this matchup. I don't expect them to need him nearly as much to be able to get this done, which means that you might be a little bit more inclined to take a DeMarcus Cousins punt. But at 5,300, it's just one of those where I'd maybe have him in one or one or two GPP lineups just to be a little frisky. But to by and large, as you said, avoid them, maybe take Monte Morris. All right. Final game of the night. New York Knicks traveling to Sacramento, taking on the Kings. Knicks on the second half of the back-to-back. Kings, Terrence Davis ruled out. Jeremy Lamb is questionable. Uh, we got, as we know, for the Knicks, though, no Kemba, no Rose, no Grimes, Noel sat, Gibson sat, Toppin sat. A lot of the big men were out. Uh, I imagine Toppin probably missed another game. It's a back-to-back. He was dealing with a hamstring. Possibility that Taj Gibson is available. He was out with an illness. So I'll pass it over to you to talk about the Knickerbockers. Yeah, you said no Rose, no Walker, no Grimes, no Noel. And plain and simple for me, no exposure. I just don't like their price tags one bit. Uh, RJ Barrett is now broken into that 8,000 range, which, I mean, I, I could barely stomach playing him consistently in the 7,000s. I'm not going to play him when he's 8,000. It's just not something I'm going to do. I don't trust his ancillary stats enough. And, and you talk about avoiding certain players. Julius Randle has been a guy I've just kind of avoided like the plague. Even though this matchup is looking like a pretty decent one here for him, it's a 229 and a half total. The Sacramento Kings are only favored to win by three and a half. It's it could very well be one that works out well for him. I mean, it's not like Sabonis is an amazing defender or anything, but he is going to have you know that work cut out for him on that end in general, just with the size that Sacramento can go ahead and throw on him. So yeah, I'm just going to avoid the the Knicks altogether. I may have a little bit of exposure on the other side. That being said, quickly is coming up out pretty decently as of late his minute total has been going up his shot attempts as a result are going to go up but for him it's all about uh, that efficiency i'm not chasing that eight rebound game in the last one for him to get to that 30 dk points and i just think there's more than enough uh, mid-range guard options that i don't need to worry about any of these nicks over here yeah i mean I, I played a couple of them on tonight's slate and it's about looks like there's eight minutes left in the second quarter i played burks i played robinson those are the two guys i had the most exposure to um just because they they need to play minutes, bottom line. Like, if all these centers are out, I can see going back to Mitchell Robinson. 5,200, we know his upside, if he can stay out of foul trouble, is like that 40 to 50 DK points with just his rebounds and stocks alone. So he's one guy I can see myself having a decent amount of interest in. But, again, last game of the night, do we have the news is the question mark. We might, we might not. Um, and then maybe, like I said, maybe Burks at 58, but it's not that fantastic of a price tag. He no longer has that small forward eligibility, which – it's one of my favorite reasons I played him. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I'm not interested in these guys really either. I don't want to play Sabonis in this matchup. I think there's other better spend-ups that we've talked about. Fox at 9,300, despite how well he's played since Halliburton was traded. 
Uh, I just don't think I'm going to go there as well. I know he's had at least 56 DK points in three out of the last four games. Sounds like it's all totally worth it. Um, I just can't, I can't do it, man. I haven't really been playing too much Fox now that he's been close to that 9K range. And hey, listen, it's not, it's not doing me any favors. Uh, the one guy that I, I do have any interest in is probably Dante DiVincenzo at 4,500. Uh, starting to get more involved in this team's offense and just overall, he's probably one of their best perimeter defenders. Uh, played 34 minutes against Dallas, played 29 minutes against San Antonio. So the minutes uh, have been progressively going up over the last five games. He hasn't been shooting the ball well at all, literally 33% or less over the past three games. But in the last four, he has at least 27 DK points in all those. So he's the one guy that kind of piques my interest. I don't expect him to have any ownership, really. At the end of the day, with all the guard value that we've talked about, whether it's the guys over there in Portland or the guys in Golden State, do I end up landing on him? Probably not, but he could be contrarian. Yeah, fair enough. And with Jeremy Lamb, for instance, being out that last game with his hip and questionable with that again, that just clears up more more potential usage because Davion Mitchell, who at one point was looking like he's going to be 30 minutes all the way through, has uh, clearly found himself in kind of that like six-man, seventh-man-ish role, and he's been kind of stuck in that mid-20s. So as you said, that's allowed Dante DiVincenzo to get more involved in the offense. Definitely a you know, potential play as far as it's concerned, but as you said, you know, Sabonis, Fox, all these guys are at pretty appropriate price tags for how well they've been playing. Fox could end up going up to 10K if he keeps playing like this, but yeah, if once he got into this 9K range, I'm just not as inclined to play him. There's just, like, I, I'd rather pay 400 bucks more and go play DeRozan, to be honest, in comparison to Fox in general. I just feel like Fox is just one game away from yet another dud and just never been a guy I particularly enjoy taking. Sabonis I do, but there's just better options, plain and simple. And I think at 9,600, I don't need to go ahead and uh, risk him having uh, a 30-ish DK point game night when we have other options there at cheaper price tags that frankly have some higher upside on the slate. All right, my friend, I like it. And that brings us home. That brings us to the player tier segment. Give me your stud of the night. Yeah, and this one I've been going back and forth in the end, but honestly, that Chicago-Philadelphia game continues to be the one I'm most interested in. And on the Philly side, it's James Harden for me. Plain and simple, coming off that rest game, coming off just how well he's looked in the couple of games he's played with Philadelphia. His assist total is just continuing to absolutely skyrocket. And the rest of his offense is coming across that much more efficient as well with uh, Embiid taking all that pressure off him. So in general, I just I just can't see him having a game in which he doesn't absolutely just cook the Chicago Bulls as he continuously has in all the different teams he's played for. So sign me up for some Harden. Uh, I'll go with DeJounte. There's a chance he doesn't play, so I'll give a caveat, but DeJounte would be my top play at 11-1, finally priced where he should be. Um, but we're going to have money to spend, bottom line. So I, I, I fully intend on spending it, and if DeJounte plays, I think I'm going to run it back with some LeBron on the other side of the ball, try to get both those guys. I think we'll have plenty enough money to do so. So uh, if so, there you go. If DeJounte sits, I'll probably be looking at LeBron. And then just throwing so much value in my lineup is ridiculous. So go ahead and give me your mid-tier play between five and seven nine. Yeah, in that five thousand range, I'm probably gonna have like four guys that I end up liking. But I'm gonna have to stick with on brand over here. I think Jalen Green just continues to be that guy who's in that price range, which I just absolutely love him to continuously be able to be in that mid to high thirties. At some point, the price is gonna adjust and he's gonna get into that six Ks, and I'll stop taking him as often. But for now. Until he lets me down, I'm I'm sticking on that Jalen Green train. It's full steam ahead. Always on brand, man. I like it. Uh, I'm going to take the cop out here and go with a 7-9 guy. 
<laughs> right on the right on the cusp with Rudy Gobert. Uh, I do like that price tag for Rudy. Uh, I think you know with all those guys in like the low to mid sevens, I'll avoid Josh Hart, Tyler Hero. I'll let other people take them. I'm not going to get my exposure there really. Uh, and then even when I dip down to all the way down to like the six and five K range, there's a couple guys in that five K range like you mentioned, Jalen Green. We talked about Wofford. Uh, that I do see, you know, even Mitchell Robinson. They being nice solid plays. But again, this feels like it's going to be stars and scrubs where if I'm not going to force a 5K guy in there that I don't feel like maybe optimal or, you know, has any like risk associated with them, depending on my like single entries and stuff like that. So I'll go with the guys that I know I'm going to get a concrete floor from that have a high enough ceiling where if it hits, it hits, could take you down something. But at the very least, at least you can leave with some money. Um, always fun. You're never a loser if you win some money. You know, there's always you, you you'll hear me talk about it all the time. You know, I was uh, that one guy off. Uh, I'm facing that pain. I'm facing that pain tonight, man. Yep. Um, you know, I, for some reason, I thought you know this would be a D'Anthony Melton game because the game would get out of hand. Um, I had Desmond Bain in, and I ended up swapping him out. And I was like, I'm gonna go Melton. The game's gonna get out of hand. Uh, you know, and now I'm I'm biting the bullet. But with all the value available, who are you looking at? Yeah, and as you said, with, with all the value available, I thought it might have been that one night where I finally get to say Tybul is my pick. But now I'll stick with uh, what I had expected otherwise, which is plain simple Sangoon. I'm, I'm sticking with that. I think he is in a good position to be able to go ahead and do well for the minutes he's going to end up playing. As long as you're staying in that 24 to 25 minute range, we've seen his upside to be able to be somewhere near 30s, if not 40s, if he can get just a little bit more of his offense going in. I, I trust in him. I believe that Houston is going to continue to uh, develop on that side and yeah, sign me up with some Sangoon. Okay. I, uh, I see that. I, I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah. Fair. I, really, no, that's good. I mean, that gives people a nice low owned guy, um, which is always wonderful. Um, I, I was expecting you to go with a warrior, maybe one of these blazers. Uh, maybe you even give the caveat with the Trey Jones and Murray sits. Yeah. Uh, so, but I can't fault you, man. I and mean, I know I got it. I'm now I got to keep Sagoon on my player pool. Uh, just so you're not the only guy in these mass field GPPs that has him. Uh, you know, gotta, 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 gotta hedge my bets. Um, I'm probably gonna go with Keon Johnson. I do fully uh, expect him to draw the start with Simons out. It's kind of my thought process behind that at 3,900. Again, if we see that Murray sits, I think Trey Jones is the better play over him at 3,500. Keep your eye on those Warriors guys because, like, like I said, Moody, Chioza, Lee, one of those guys is is down there near minimum salary, and I think it's fully worth playing as well. Uh, but I think right now I'm going to go with what I do know and that I, I can't even say what I do know, what I expect. And I expect Keon to draw the start in nonetheless play 30 plus minutes. So I'll go there. And now for your thrive pick, man, give me your favorite thrive fantasy pick out here. We got a lot of good options. Let me hear yours. Yeah, and, and I feel like, uh, this pool was made up before some of the injuries went up there because the pool party is absolutely on for him to be at 17 and a half points uh, for his over 110. I, I think that's just an absolute lock. All, he's probably going to shoot 25 times this game with everyone else out. So even if he's just absolutely you know, hitting the side of a barn door, he'll probably find a way to be able to get to somewhere near 20 actual points this game without too much of a problem. Yeah, you got to go with the gimme. Um, I'll go stay on brand. DeJounte Murray, 18 and a half rebounds and assists. That's saying, could he get you a triple-double pretty much? And I do expect him, if he starts this game and plays, that he will get a triple-double. So I will take that one. That is just an even smack dab 100. Oh, I'm sorry, 105. Look at that. And getting the extra bonus five, which if, you, if you've been playing Thrive, I, first of all, if you haven't, what are you doing? Sign up promo code ETHOS. Uh, but if you have, you know that .5 makes a large difference when it's all said and done. So 
And that takes us home, my friend. That is everything we have for you guys. That is the entire Monday slate, as always. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us. Uh, we do appreciate it. Now, if you can give us a follow on Twitter, at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. Follow Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. And then when you're done with that, or maybe, maybe before, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Five-star rate and review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, we do appreciate it. Been noticing day by day, a couple more trickle in, uh, and we do appreciate that, guys. It means the world to us. It allows us to kind of tool, keep doing this for you guys seven days a week. As far as I know, we are one of the only uh, fantasy basketball DFS sites and websites and podcasts that do it seven days a week. So thank you. Thank you. You make us want to do this seven days a week. And then Harris, what do you want to leave these good people with before we get out of here? Yeah, I was just going to piggyback off of that, that, you know, don't leave us in the dark as far as the reviews are concerned, because as far as darkness is concerned, that was in the Batman, which if you guys hadn't watched yet, was incredible. Loved it all the way through. Did you, did you get a chance to go yet? No, man. I told you, man, I'm like, I go to, I stay away from any spoilers. I go three weeks later when there's not a soul in that movie theater. Uh, and I enjoy myself. I, you know, I, I just like a nice, quiet movie theater. And uh, that's the way I do it every single time there's a good movie that comes out. But where does it rank compared to some of these other? We were talking about it. Obviously, I know you said uh, <laughs> Dark Knight was the greatest one. Um, oh, yeah. I know that's. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, but seriously, how, how did it rank going against some of those other ones? Yeah, well, it's a, I would say it's a completely different kind of movie than what we've gotten up until. Like, the Nolan trilogy, I kind of see as, as a sphere of its own. It just has its, you know, it's it's not really connected to any of the comics, per se. He, he said himself that he wanted to just take the themes and make his own story out of it. So, in and of itself, that trilogy obviously stands tall. This is, to me, what a Batman movie should be, in the sense of how dark, how gritty, how much more of a connection is shown with the city of Gotham. All of those things make it so that I really loved it. I'm actually going for a rewatch this week uh, with my girlfriend, so looking forward to watching it again and seeing some of those little details that I'm sure I missed the first time around. But in general, if you love yourself a good mystery alongside everything else and you know the Batman showing as to why he's supposed to be you know the greatest detective in the world, I think you'll love everything about this movie. Well said. Well, now maybe I maybe I make it two weeks instead yeah. of three. Yeah, I was gonna say I we got like a 10 p.m. movie on uh, on Saturday night, which was you know less people one that I expected, and more so than that, it was clearly like a lot of big fans that were there, so everyone was just like quiet and engrossed. And yeah, I loved it. Loved that experience. Did you see anyone dressed as Batman? Not not as Batman. Not this time around. Last time when we went to watch Joker, there was like a number of guys that dressed up as Joker to be able to do that, but uh, no Batman's this time at least. All right. Well, if I had a Batman suit, man, I'd be doing it. But. Yeah, why not? All right. <laughs> well, that's it, guys. There you go. So go make sure you watch the Batman movie. But before you head out there, rate, review, subscribe, follow us on Twitter. We will be back tomorrow. It will be Santino. It will be DJ Sammy Caps. They'll be handling the Tuesday slate for you all. Appreciate you. Take care. And let's go take down some tournaments. Peace.